Hey friend, this is Ben Liston, Senior Pastor of the Stanton First Church of God. I want to personally thank you for joining us today here on our podcast. I hope the message is challenging, encouraging, and builds your faith. Now enjoy the message. Can you say amen? amen. Say it again. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, old time preachers quartet. We've been to church. We've been to church. Amen. <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord. Let me just say welcome. Uh, for those of you that might be visiting with us this morning for the first time, uh, we're so glad that you're here, and I hope that you get a blessing. We already received a blessing out of this anointed singing, and uh, I'm excited that you're here today. Today, this church celebrates 44 years in this community, preaching and proclaiming and singing the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we praise the Lord for that and are thankful for those that have gone before us that have been faithful to carry on for the cause of Christ. And we are now looking forward, continuing continuing to march on. Amen? If you would stand with me, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 26. Genesis chapter number 26 is where we'll be reading this morning. We stand this morning in reverence to God's Word, the holy, infallible, inerrant Word. Would you begin reading with me in verse number 12? The Bible says... Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug, in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. That's a sermon all in itself. Say amen right there. Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful time we have had already this morning. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit settling upon this place. Now, Lord, I pray that you would settle our minds and our hearts and allow you, I pray that we would allow you to speak to us through your word today. I, I pray for unction to function. I pray for anointing of the Holy Spirit. That when we leave this place, no human here can, t- can take any credit. But that all praise and all honor and all glory would go to you, the one who makes the difference in our lives. Now, Lord, speak to our hearts. Challenge us to keep digging. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And the Sunday morning crowd said... Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, if you've been around the church or you've been around Scripture for any length of time, you are familiar with the name of Abraham. Abraham was Isaac's father. Here in this, in Genesis chapter number 26, what we find is, is that uh, Isaac has, has, he's made some mistakes. We'll just put it that way. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. But Isaac has made some mistakes. He finds himself hanging out with a bunch of Philistines and he gets himself into some trouble. 
But because of the covenant, don't miss this, because of the covenant that God had with Abraham and Abraham's descendants, God chose to bless, to bless Isaac anyway. In fact, he blessed him so much, his enemies got tired of God blessing him. Now, wouldn't you like to be in that position? Hallelujah. They got sick and tired of him. And so in a way, they, told, they exiled him out into what you would call no lands or, or maybe folks better known as nomads would live. This was a destitute land. But what Isaac remembered was, what, was that his daddy Abraham, had that, that was his job. Abraham was known for going to this far off land that nobody wanted to go to. I guess you could say Abraham was a pioneer if you want to put it that way. He was known for going out and he would dig wells out in this destitute land. Because in that day, when you dug the well on the land, what that said was, you owned it. So this was land that Abraham was claiming for God, and God told him to dig the wells, so he dug the wells. But what ended up happening over time, as, as people made mistakes and turned their back on God and allowed the enemy, the Philistines, to get involved in their lives, we find here in Scripture that the Philistines came behind Abraham and began to fill back in the wells. There was no more water running in these wells. With that thought in mind and with that background in mind, I want to look, look at three things that Isaac faced and three things that you and I face today as the church of the living God and how we can learn from the lesson we see here in Genesis chapter number 26. The first thing I want you to consider is Isaac's problem. Look with me at verse number 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his, father, his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. I believe we face a very similar problem as Isaac did. The wells that have been dug long before we've ever come here, the wells of truth and righteousness and holiness, the wells that have been dug, the enemy is coming, has come behind those well diggers and is filling them in with earth. As I begin to, to ponder and to pray and ask the Lord, what would you have me to say today? I could not help but think of just a few things that this world is filling in the well with earth. I could not help but think of our American heritage and how the world has come behind our forefathers who founded this country on the King James Bible. Did you know that? If you go to Washington, D.C. today, you're not going to see the Koran posted on the walls, but you will see the King James Bible printed all over the place. Why? Because our founding president, George Washington, said this, you cannot govern a nation without God and the Bible. There is no doubt that this nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles and it was founded upon the Word of God. And yet the, the radical left and those who, have, who, who today have come and have told us that that's not true, they've covered up with the well with earth. We find ourselves in trouble. You say, oh preacher, we're in good shape. The United States has got plenty of money. Well, that never helped anybody. You say the United States has got plenty of military strength. Can I tell you, this nation is not what it is because of our money or because of our military strength, but it is simply a nation that, that we are today is because the blessing and the hand of God has been upon us because we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And I'm sick and tired of people covering up the well. 
the well. American heritage that we are so thankful for. The, the other well I thought that has, has been covered up over time. The church. Now let me say that again. The church. Now you old time church of God or say amen right there. The church. I'm not talking about the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church. I'm talking about the church of the living God. I'm talking about the church that we see foreshadowed in Genesis and we see it, we see it become a reality in the book of Acts. I'm talking about the church that was birthed at Calvary and that was empowered at Pentecost. I'm talking about the church of the living God of every blood washed one. That church is still alive and well. And the people can still come and drink from that well. The church of the living God. We're told the church is no longer relevant. We're told the, church, the church's message is too radical. We're told the church's message is too mean or too nasty. We're told all, all of this nonsense. And God says, I've always had a people and I always will have a people. Every blood washed one. Don't be fooled. Don't let the enemy fill up the well with earth. The church of the living God. The third thing I thought of when it comes to the problem. Isaac's problem was that they were filling up the wells with earth. I could not help of, the, of a well that we seem to be, even in the church today, we seem to be filling with earth the gospel. It's amazing to me how we have perverted the gospel. We have hijacked the gospel of Jesus Christ for profit, for gain, to make more money, to pay preachers more, bigger money so they can write more books. Me and Brother, I, I was talking to Brother Les in the office, and we were talking about a, a, another preacher. I'm not going to say his name, but we were talking about a, a big-time TV preacher. I said, all he does is he's just waiting for another event so he can write another book so he can make more money. But we, we have prospered off of the gospel. We have a movement in our world today that tells us that if you'll come to Jesus, He'll give you more money you could ever ask for. That's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. The gospel, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. I'm talking about the true blue gospel. You say, what is that? I'm glad you asked. It's about an about a almighty God who desired relationship with people. And when Adam broke that relationship by choosing to sin, God the Father before the foundations of the world were ever created, he, would, he had in his mind that He would send a perfect, loving Savior named Jesus Christ to give His life a ransom for our sin. He came. He walked this earth for 33 and a half years. He then walked up the Via Della Rosa. He hung His head. He was beat. He was bruised. He was spit upon. And He died for the sins of mankind. Oh, but the story doesn't stop there. I feel like preaching now. Oh, the story doesn't stop there. But then He was laid in a borrowed tomb. And I said, a borrowed tomb. He was laid in a borrowed tomb for three days. And on that third and glorious morning, He rose as conqueror over death, hell, and the grave. Oh, but don't stop there. It gets better than that. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven. And by the way, boys, you got to sing that, waving the scroll goodbye. But that's neither here nor there. But, but 40 days later, he's, a, he's ascending into heaven. And he said, oh, don't, don't, don't worry. You know, those disciples asked him, they said, what about the time, the place? What about, you know, we need to know what's going on. He said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Just know this. 
As you've seen the Son of Man going up in the clouds of heaven, one day He's going to split the eastern sky and do the same thing coming back. He said, I'm coming back for you. The Gospel. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm afraid that we're filling up that well with earth. What about when it comes to the Gospel? We so often hear about, don't mention the blood. Don't mention the blood. That's too gory. Don't mention the cross. Don't mention the cross. That's too gory for me. Friend, can I tell you, if we really got an idea or an understanding of what our sin did to our Savior, if we had any clue what it really took to redeem our wretched souls, oh, it took the blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I believe the blood is still powerful. The blood can still save. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood and lose all of their guilty stains. The Gospel. We've let, we've let the enemy fill up the well with earth. Of the gospel. So we see the problem. <laughs> Nobody needs to know. Uh, most everybody in here knows there's a problem. Let me show you this. To further understand the problem we are facing. Uh, Blake, would you put up those statistics for me? In 2017... There were 1,600 reported opioid-involved deaths in Kentucky. In 2017, there were 47,173 recorded suicides in this country. The U.S. suicide rate, according to Time Magazine, are at the highest they've ever been since World War II. In 2018, this country logged 33,341 murders up from 31,174 in 2017. You say, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. They're looking for a drink. They're trying to find a well. And everywhere they look, they find earth in the well. And they're looking for a spring of living water. And can I tell you today, if, you, if you're here today and you find yourself depressed and down and out, and you, if you feel like you're at the end of the rope, you just come to the well. You just come to the well and get you a drink of living water. And Jesus will save your soul. Oh, remember what he told that Samaritan woman. Don't forget what he tell her. He said, I'm going to give you a drink where you'll never, ever thirst again. That's, what, that's the kind of water I'm talking about this morning. We know the problem. We see the statistics. And there's a lot of preachers that are really good at telling the problem. Or showing the problem. But there's a lot of preachers that never give you the solution. So the second thing I want you to consider is not just Isaac's problem, but Isaac's persistence. Isaac's persistence. Isaac realized there was a problem. He realized that the Philistines had covered up the wells. So he got to work. Look at verse number 18 with me. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father 
had called them. Isaac sees a problem, and Isaac gets to work. Church, hear me this morning. We are real good at navigating and picking out the problems, but we fall so short by proclaiming the solution, by getting to work. Isaac realized, I've got to get to work. i got to start digging. i never forget. When my daddy was at the First Baptist Church of Milford, we built a, I don't know how big it was, it was a fellowship hall, and it could probably hold, we ran about 1,500, 2,000 people, and it would probably hold 3,000 in the fellowship hall. It was a massive building. And I remember as a kid, <clears throat> my daddy had staff, he did, but he also had boys. Y'all know what I'm saying? He had a staff of 25 pastors, but for some strange reason, he'd use us boys. So when it came time to build that fellowship hall, you know what he handed us? When, we, when it came time to, to dig the trenches for the plumbing, you know what he handed me? A shovel. I thought he'd lost his ever-loving mind. I mean, I needed my N64, you know what I'm talking about. Now today we've got to have our phones and iPads and all that. He handed me a shovel and said, get to work. And I remember digging those trenches with the plumbers. As we were digging down to lay the, the leech lines and so on and so forth for that building. Isaac got to work. He put a shovel in his hand and he started digging. And don't miss this. He did not stop digging until he hit water. I'm here to tell you this morning, this, this isn't going to be no easy process. We're going to have to dig and dig and dig again and keep digging and keep digging and keep digging and keep digging and keep digging. We don't have time for petty debates. We don't have time for religious this and that. We don't have time arguing over the temperature of the sanctuary, although it is a little chilly in here. We don't have any time to argue over this or that. We've got to get to work and start digging. Redig the wells. He was persistent. And I'll tell you, I can tell you, you know this from personal experiences as well as I do. There's going to be a lot that come alongside of us and say, you are wasting your time. I got to tell you this. When I moved to town, uh, we're coming up on four years of ministry here. When I moved to town, the first week I was here, I had a preacher here in town take me to lunch and tell me that I was wasting my time. He said, you're wasting your time. He said, this, this county is so far gone, there's no hope. Well, I'm sure glad I didn't quit then. But I picked up the shovel. Better known as this right here. Better known as this right here. And guess what? I'm digging. And I'm digging. And I'm digging. And I'm digging. And I won't quit till I hit water. Persistent. You better, you better hang in there. This isn't no sprint. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. You better hang in there. Don't quit now. I refuse to quit. I refuse to quit on those that have come before you and I who laid the foundation of this church. I refuse to quit. But I'll keep digging. And I'll keep digging. And I'll keep digging till I hit water again. I refuse to quit. Thirdly, Brandon, if you come to the piano. Thirdly, as I 
thought about this text. We see Isaac's problem. We see Isaac's persistence. Thirdly, we see Isaac's pleasure. We find out that his servants who were digging the wells along with him finally hit the water. They finally hit the water. The water they had been looking for. They were desperate for water. And I can't help but think the pleasure that came over their faces and in their hearts when they finally struck water. I used to think to myself, you know, I would get happy and I'd get excited when I got a touch from God. But can I tell you, there brings no greater joy in my life when I see somebody else hit the well. When I see somebody else hit the water. When I see somebody else take a drink from the well. You see, the ch- listen to me, the church ceased to exist for me the day that I got saved. Don't miss it. I'm going to say that one more time. The church ceased to exist for me the day I got saved. My greatest need was salvation. So therefore, my need was met. But now we've got to keep moving forward to give somebody else a drink. Somebody else that needs a drink of water. Can I tell you, there's a whole generation coming behind us. There are ones that have never even been born yet. Ones that will be born after we die who are coming behind us. And what joy in our hearts to know that we have dug the well so they can drink from that water. If you're 21 years of age or younger, would you stand? 21 years of age or younger. Better yet, why don't you just come up here. Come up here, all of you. Come on. Come on. Just go right up there. Stand right up there. Right up there by that well. Right on up there. Get, go on up there, up on the stage. Go on. Go on. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Go on up there. Can you say Amen. Church, that's why we dig. That's why we're digging. So that our children and our grandchildren and those that are coming years beyond us will be able to drink from the same well that we have. And if you give up now, they're not going to get a drink. If you get all caught up in church mess and religious this and religious that, they'll never get a drink. If they do get a drink, it's going to be bitter and nasty. And they're leaving our churches in droves. Why? Because the drink they're getting is full of dirt and it's bitter. But oh, I hope and pray that they take a drink of that living water. I'm not talking about alcohol. I'm not talking about drugs because I found this out. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy the longing of your heart for a drink of spiritual water. In fact, I hope they just don't. I, I hope they just don't take a drink. I hope they just get it all over them. Just all over them. Just get it off. Just get it off. 
I didn't, I didn't get your equipment. Don't worry. I, if I did, I'll pay for it. But that's my prayer. That's my hope. But listen to me. I can't do it alone. Parents, parents, I can't disciple your children on my own. The church is not responsible to disciple your children. You are going to have to dig the well yourself. You're going to have to dig the well yourself so that your children can drink from it. You're responsible for them. You're responsible for their soul. God has entrusted them with you. Are you digging the well? Or is the well filled up with earth? I'm going to ask you to do this for me. <laughs> if your child is up here, I'm going to ask you to come and stand with them. Come on up here. Just make room. There's plenty of room. Come on up here. Uh, Blake, will you put this up, please? Just come on up here. You say, preacher, how are we going to do this? Well, I'll tell you where to start. That's down on your knees at an old-fashioned altar. Yes, sir. That's a good place to start. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I know there's not much room up here, but if you need to kneel on the stage or you want to kneel on this altar, I want you to kneel with your children right now and say, Lord, would you help us to dig the wells? Dig the wells of righteousness, of holiness, of biblical authority, the well of the church. That, so The list goes on and on. Help us to dig the wells for the sake of of our children that are coming behind us. Church, I'm going to ask you, if you're willing to dig the well, would you get up out of your seat and let's just line the front of this church full of saints on their knees before God saying, we're willing to dig the well. We're willing to keep on trucking. Hey friend, thanks again for listening. I hope this message was a blessing to you. For more information about our church, go to our website at www.stantonfcog.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Stanton First Church of God. If this message helped you in any way, hit the share button below. Thanks again for listening, and always remember, God loves you, and so do I.